women of our church were just over at Women in Faith in, in Denver Friday night and Saturday. They came back last night. Others still stayed over, so some of them are still there. But I'm sure it was a very uplifting time for all of you. We prayed for you all while you were uh, there and that God would reach into your lives and encourage you. Um, this morning is the last message from the Gospel of Luke, and I'm a little sad about it because we've been with Luke for quite a while now and kind of feel like we've gotten to know not just the Gospel of Luke, but Luke himself uh, as, a, as a physician who did the research, who got the eyewitness accounts, who went through a very thorough study and discipline to record the, the life and the words of Jesus. And most of you are also aware that Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and he was just as detailed in his description of how the early church began and uh, the account of the spread of Christianity at that time. So uh, Luke was a, a very faithful and devoted follower of Jesus. Uh, wasn't one of his disciples, original disciples, but he really, um, Theophilus was the guy that, that commissioned him to do it. So it wouldn't be complete without going to the end of the gospel. Uh, we're going to fast forward through some things that you are familiar with, which is Jesus' time when he was in Jerusalem, where he was uh, put under trial. Um, he was uh, crucified, he was, he was buried, he rose from the dead. So we're going to catch up to him after the resurrection, and uh, this last passage of scripture, uh, we'll talk uh, a lot about that. It also is a good lead-in to what we're going to be doing in terms of the significance of the story. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to open up the scriptures. We are grateful for this record of the life and words of Christ, and how these words by your Holy Spirit become alive to us in our spirits. And I pray today that as we read and look at this significant event in the life of Christ, that we too would be moved to awe, to praise, to thanksgiving, and to joy. In your name we pray, amen. So the disciples after Jesus' death scattered many of them, and it wasn't just the 12 I'm talking about, it's those who were following Jesus throughout the portion of his ministry. And he had started making his appearances to various ones. And he did it in such a way that surprised them. So here we see a group of people who are discussing these events that have taken place. They haven't seen Jesus risen from the dead. And in this record that Luke gives, he does something here that we hear a lot of speakers do. And this is what people do. They say, okay, first I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you what I just told you. <laughs> there is some repetition in the Gospels. 
And there's a reason for that. It's because we don't always get it the first time. When I first read the Bible, after I had become a Christian, I did it because I had a lot of time on my hands. I was, gotten, I was in, dropped, drafted into the army. This thing's driving me crazy today. Um, so you've heard the phrase, hurry up and wait. Well, in the army, I think that's where it came from. And so I had been given a little pocket New Testament by the Gideons that fit right in a fatigue shirt. Still does, I think, for them. So I'd sit down and I'd just start reading through. It was the New Testament and the Psalms. And, and like the rest of you, I probably didn't understand half of what I was reading. But it still spoke to me, and, and so I read through it, and then I read through the living New Testament, the living Bible at that point, while I had some time on my hands. And we got in some small Bible study groups, and then I realized that the Scriptures are more than just about reading through the Scriptures. Then the next step is to study the Scriptures. And so that was the progression in my own life, and, and I think that it probably was for you too. But it is the way, the absolutely best way that you can grow as a Christian, the best way you can understand who God is, who you are in relationship to him. And so we emphasize the Bible, and it's very important uh, because Jesus also emphasized the Bible, and we're going to see how he also did that with these that he's talking about. So let's go to the scripture. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 36, and we don't know who they are, but they are still talking about what? They're still talking about what happened in Jerusalem with Jesus' death and his burial and all the things that surrounded that. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, can you imagine this scene that these guys are all in this debate, in this discussion, and all of a sudden a stranger walks up to them, somebody that they didn't initially recognize, and he just kind of says, hey, what's up, guys? Peace be with you. And they were just like, we'll see what their reaction was. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They, they, they didn't know of Jesus' resurrection. And of course, wouldn't you be absolutely startled at all of a sudden seeing the appearance of Jesus, who they had just finished walking and spending time with on the journey to Jerusalem, knew all of the events that just transpired, and then all of a sudden, he's standing right there with you. I can't even imagine. I would be startled and frightened too, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd be a little blown away by that. They thought they were seeing a ghost. But here's the interesting part about what Jesus does here. He makes sure that they know that he is physically with them by some things that he does. Let's look at this. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your mind? So first of all, he speaks to them, okay? And he does it in, in a voice that is just like a, a person. And then he said, why would you be so troubled about these things? And what he's referring to is, 
I already told you what I was going to tell you. I, I told you that I was going to be buried and I would raise from the dead. I told you that. Then I did that. Now I'm going to tell you what I just did. You see what he's doing here? So he's saying, well, why are you so surprised by this? It's the very thing, not just from me, but the scriptures in the Old Testament have been talking about this for centuries. So let's go on here, what he, what he does with this. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So he can speak. He physically can be touched. And he's trying to convey to them he is physically alive. Not just in our imaginations, not just some spirit that looks like Jesus. We are talking about a physical resurrection that still bears the scars and the wounds from his hands and feet of the, of the crucifixion. How about that? So then he goes on and he says this. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So it's like, look, see, touch, go ahead. It's okay. You can do that with me. It's okay. I'm here. I'm with you. All right, onward. And while they still did not believe, isn't that just like us? Right there in front of them, inviting them, speaking to them, look at me, touch and they still did not believe it because of their joy and amazement. They were just blown away. And he asked them this, more confirmation of his physical resurrection. Do you have anything here to eat? Now, I don't know if Jesus has had anything to eat since he rose up from the dead, but it's quite interesting. Do you have anything here to eat? So, Further evidence of his physical presence. So what did they do? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. Now to our interest and liking, we would go, how many of you guys like broiled fish? You kind of go, ew, yeah, well, that's what they had, it's what they ate then and all that. But you know, I mean, wouldn't you rather have bacon and eggs and a ribeye and pork chops and all the good stuff. <laughs> they gave him what they had, though, which is quite interesting in a sense. But it was, again, evidence of his physical appearing. They gave him a piece of boiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Now, don't you love the way Luke describes this? He is very detailed in the description of this event. It is not general. It's very purposeful about how he phrases this so that we would all understand that Jesus had a bodily, physical resurrection. Many of us have heard other people say, even preachers and others say, well, it was just the idea of regeneration. It was just the idea of all of us having a new hope and a new opportunity. It was just, Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. Well, yes, he did. He really did, and these are evidences of that. 
All right, let's go on. He said to them, don't you get this? This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he starts to go back. And he said, I told you about these things. Not only that, but the old, your scriptures told you about this. It goes back in your history. It goes back in the Old Testament. So when we open up this book called The Story and begin reading the story, we start in Genesis. And we will find Jesus throughout the Old Testament in our own journeys here, and that will be pointed out. But Jesus says it here. He says, the law of Moses talked about this. The prophets talked about this. The Psalms talked about this. This is all talked about. You were all told this before, and I told you this before. He's not scolding them. He's just reminding them in a gentle way, but he's also saying, you already knew this stuff, and now do you believe it? Now do you finally get it? <clears throat> so he goes on. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. This is a very important point right here. When we read the Bible, sometimes it just looks like black ink on a white page. And it really doesn't come to life to us. But there are times if you will pray and ask God to help open your mind to understand what you're reading, all of a sudden every word is full of meaning for you. And so we do need help when we open these scriptures in understanding what's here and how it connects and comes together. And part of that comes by getting our minds opened up by the Spirit of God to speak to our spirits and bring these words to life. Otherwise, for you, they will just be words on a page. So he did help them, and all of a sudden, it was like, aha, now we see it. Let's go on. Next verse. He told them, this is what is written. He's saying it again. He's going to repeat it again. Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So he's saying that this was said that would happen. This is why it had to take place because the whole purpose of Jesus' death on the cross as we know was for us to repent of our sins, embrace the forgiveness of sins that Jesus did by dying for them on a cross and us. He rose again on the third day, but that this would be then preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, I've always kind of liked this little phrase, and I'll bet you have too, whenever you've heard it quoted. At all times preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Now, I think we all kind of like that because it speaks to our behavior and showing the example of Christ. However, how are they going to know this if they don't speak it? And so it's not enough for any of us just to live a good Christian life in front of others 
he says it needs to be preached in his name. And we don't do that just by our actions. We also do that by our words. It needs to be proclaimed. And it will begin in Jerusalem. But then he says this. Go on. You are witnesses of these things. So he's telling them, you are seeing this. You are a part of this. This is a part of you. Now you have seen. Once we have seen and become witnesses, then we become more responsible to proclaim what this is. However, he said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he tells them, don't go and do this on your own power. Don't try and do this in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own intelligence. Your own, you're gonna, that's going to fail. My father, here's another promise, he said. This is a promise you have heard about. I'm telling you about it again. It's going to come, and that it is a person, and it's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, and Jesus did too, until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit to us is something of a mystery. The Holy Spirit is the one who is our teacher and our guide that opens our uh, minds to understand the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives quickening and life to us and power to us in our faith. It doesn't just come out of thin air. It's, he is just as real, the Holy Spirit, even though we cannot see the Holy Spirit, touch, taste, feel. He is present and he is real. And when we have the Holy Spirit, it is in his power that we go forward. And Jesus is reminding them again of this. I told you this. I'm telling you this. Now go do this. Okay, let's go on. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. I don't know what exactly all that meant or looked like. But wouldn't any of us love to be in that situation where Jesus lifts up his nail-scarred hands and it says, he blessed them. We've, we've all received blessings in our lives. I know we have. Um, but he blessed them. I, and I think that it was here, in the context of what he's talking about, it, it's in the context of commissioning them to go out and proclaim the gospel. So I think that what he's doing here is he is blessing them as they go forward in this journey of advancing and proclaiming the news of Jesus Christ beginning in Jerusalem. Knowing full well that it would go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. All right. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then, Here's where they got it. They now, they had full understanding. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Have you ever been in a situation where you just never wanted to leave because it was so great? You just didn't ever want it to be over? You just wanted to stay there. You didn't want to leave. Well, this is what they did. They were so full of joy and gladness 
and thanksgiving and blessing that they went to the temple. And you know, the temple in those days was very ritualistic. It was relatively quiet. There were people that were doing teachings, rabbis, and so forth. And I can't imagine what those people thought when these people showed up. Whoa, what got into them? They were full of joy. And they couldn't stop praising him. Now the word that's used here in a Greek word, this word blessing or word for blessing is is a, a word that is reserved only for God. So if you understand Jesus as God, this was reserved for only those who are, for, only for God. And what that means for some people is they, they try to understand what worship is. It, it's hard to explain worship to another person. It's celebrating, it's praising, it's singing, it's declaring goodness and glory, it's especially applied to Christ. It's full of thanksgiving. Some people have translated this word to mean to kiss the feet of Jesus. To kiss the feet. To be in such awe and adoration and, and humility and amazement that you, you're like that 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 woman who anointed his feet. Remember all those stories about the women who would come. They would break the alabaster. They would anoint his, kiss his feet, tears on his feet, kissing the feet of Jesus. So if you want to use that as an image in your worship to God when we gather or when you're in your room or wherever you are and you want to imagine yourself in God's presence, imagine kissing the feet of Jesus, those nail-scarred feet that he still has. And when we see him face to face, we will see those marks on him. Imagine that. Imagine that. What a blessing. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. You understand that it's hard for us to comprehend some things, especially things that relate to you. And it's all there. It's all been told us. If we just have eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to comprehend what it is that you're saying to us. You told us what you were going to say. You told us, then you told us. And then you told us what you just said. And yet we still walk with some lack of faith, a lack of confidence. We still carry some fears and tremblings and anxieties in our lives. When you would just say to us, look up, look at me. Look at him today. Raise your focus to the Lord. Be filled with joy in his presence. Honor him with your 
worship. Your lips, your heart, your spirit, just to enjoy him. And Lord, I pray as we hand out these books here in this congregation today, for every age group in our church family, that you will open their minds to understand what all is there for us. And that it would be a blessing for each one who enters this journey of the story. And that they will find their story in the midst of your story as we do that together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.